there. I'm Lisa Capala, welcoming you to another exciting episode of Bridging the Digital Divide. Today we have with us, as always, Brad McKenna, my Sherpa guide through the digital divide. I think I'm getting a little closer to the other side. I don't know. You never know. We're moving. We're moving up the mountain. The minute I get there... They move the mountain in, grows. Right? <laughs> uh, and along with us this morning, we have Dan Stewart, who is the retired Wilmington fire chief. Hey, Dan. Good, Good to have morning. you with us. So what made you decide you wanted to come and talk about technology with us today? Well, I think uh, my long my longevity uh, in technology, as every everybody has, right. um, I began... Uh, when I was studying for the lieutenant's exam in the fire department, and uh, I have a little story about that, but it was in the primitive Conestoga wagon <laughs> days of technology, and my career has brought me to a place now where I'm working part-time at UMass Lowell, uh, and a lot of the students there who were born with this, this technology have been very helpful to me, and so that kind of wide span of uh, knowledge and improvement for me is probably my main reason for coming in today. Excellent. In the fire world, how much technology do we use now compared to what was there when you were at the helm? Well, back when I started in the fire department, back in the actually in the seventies in the military, uh, the technology was basically non-existent, <laughs> and firefighters are known or had been known for years for being very set in our ways, not changing any new technology, a new type of valve. No, we we've always done it this way, and that's the way we'll do it. In the movie Backdraft, there was a famous <laughs> poster that in the Chicago Fire Department, and it said, 100 years of tradition in the Chicago Fire Department, unimpeded by progress. <laughs> and so that, but that has changed uh, dramatically in the last decade or so. Okay. Have you actually been into uh, the fire station and seen some of the things that have changed? Uh, some of the things have changed uh, under the direction of uh, Chief Bradbury and right. uh, Chief uh, McMahon now. And actually, Chief McClellan, who just retired, but there's been a, a, a just a plethora of improvements, uh, beginning like in fire alarm systems. When I first started, uh, would answer a call because we'd hear a, uh, a series of bells that would come in, say from Textron devices, and would get uh, a series of uh, bells that would tell us go to Textron devices. Now. They have uh, addressable fire alarm panels that will tell us the exact device that is activated so we know where to go. Uh, It controls uh, many of the features of fire protection in the buildings, like elevators will be called uh, right to the first floor or to the designated floor. Uh, Evacuation signals will activate. Uh, Fans will start up to either suck the smoke out of the building or pressurize a stairwell to control things that way. Uh, Evacuation... um, notification, say in the day now where we have to worry not just about fire alarms, but maybe an active shooter situation that may call for notification of the people in the building with specific messages. It may also call for having the doors to that building locked uh, shut to secure the building so they can do that from remote locations through the fire alarm system. So just in that one single area, the technology has been enormous. So saving so many more lives probably through just the notification. And we know time is crucial in any emergency. So so those are good things. I'm curious, though, to wonder uh, if those situations, if the technology fails, 
then do we go back to the old-fashioned way? Because technology is not perfect. No. So interesting that if you were there now, you'd know some of the older ways and the new ways. And that's about what we talk about, about bridging that digital divide. So take me back to your Radio Shack days when you first got introduced to technology. Tell the folks listening about that. Some of you may not have heard of some of the things that Dan's going to tell us about. Well, way back in the 1970s, uh, as a new firefighter in the uh, Wilmington Fire Department, uh There was a lieutenant's exam that uh, the opening came up, and there was a lieutenant's exam that was uh, given through the civil service process. Those exams were pretty arduous in that uh, the preparation, and they asked a lot of uh, you had to do hydraulics problems. So, I wanted to improve on the flashcard method, and uh, there was a new uh, computer, a personal computer. It was the first one, I believe to be uh, offered, it was at Radio Shack, it was called a TRS-80. It had basically no software as we know it today, there were no such things as apps or anything like that, and the software programs that were offered, which were extremely limited, uh, came in cassette tape form. Wow. So all I wanted to do was to be able to put basic hydraulic formulas, which was basic algebra uh, and multiplication, uh, into this format that I would be able to use to study and prepare, not just for the exam, but also in my career to make it uh, easier for me and others. So I uh, enlisted the help of some of my technology friends. I mean, those people at that day were uh, just a speck of the knowledge that you and Brad have today. Well, don't put me in there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm close, but no way. (laughs) But I hear what you're saying. But just a speck of the technology. And so they helped uh, helped me to uh, put together a program to to do this and also a a basic word processing program too. And uh, that was very helpful, but it also, I felt, hurt me a lot because I found that I'd input a lot of data and I'd lose it. (laughs) And even to this day, when I talk to the students at UMass Lowell who are always always so uh, generous in their help to me in the technology area, and they're like, Dan, you know, uh, what do you mean you're worried about losing stuff? And, <laughs> right. But, uh, did, you so have, that, did you have any situations back then where you had input all of the algebraic formulas and went to turn on the machine and nothing's there? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. And um, I think that caused kind of a post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> for like me it. because uh, I, to this day I have that fear. And so you're always continually backing up, saving, mm-hmm. backing up, saving. Yeah, and if something, a screen drops off now that I'm using, I, I, I go into like a panic. <laughs> yeah. And I, I now I've got, the techno- uh, I've got the ability to pretty much get it back. Right. But, right. but, you know, that's not a bad habit to get into. If you have to have any kind of post-traumatic stress disorder symptom, I would think that would be mm-hmm. a good one, right, Brad? To, yeah, well, absolutely. To... So uh, everything that Dan's talking about is really interesting. We've, we've talked in, in this podcast about RAM, right, random access memory. And what that is is a direct answer to Dan's fear. You load everything, and something happens, interrupts the, the communication between the interface and the computer, and everything's gone. So what RAM does is it stores all that stuff that you did in that chip, and so, like, if something happens to the computer, you can get it back. So, like, direct, direct, everyone's in your same boat. The developers were, probably had the same thing. They're developing these programs, and, like, we need temporary storage. And so that's what RAM is. And you also see a lot of, uh, a lot of word processes now, like Word or Google Docs. Is it, once you stop typing, it saves automatically up to that mystical cloud. 
And hmm. so again, this is a, a direct answer to your fears. And that's good. Yeah. But is it really good? Right, right. And so I like, know, where is your data? <laughs> I, yeah, this is, you know, the big brother concept. Yep. Where does all this information go? And I do believe anything that is out there, they will find it if, if they, whoever they are, are looking for it. So, But I understand yep. your fear about losing the data because I have that still too. Uh, you also wanted to talk a little bit about Excel and PowerPoint yeah, I don't like either one of those, <laughs> but I have to use both. Um, you know, as soon as I learned Excel, then somebody said, let's learn PowerPoint, too. They're similar, but talk a little bit about your uh, okay. learning curve with that. Uh, back in uh, my first days as fire chief here in the town of Wilmington, um, you know, one of the responsibilities of the fire chief is to uh, submit a budget for all aspects of the fire department. Ooh, fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that can get pretty uh, complicated. Yes. And, of course, when the uh, town manager or the, the uh, other managers of the community, maybe I've submitted a request that's over or whatever, so they want changes done, many changes uh, in many occasions. Mm. So I found that uh, to go through with a pencil and eraser was very, very hard to, uh, if I made a change in one area, I'd had to change it throughout. The, so I started putting together an Excel program, which I got pretty confident in, and that's that's even a dinosaur now compared to the programs that they it's have today. But I, I got it to the point where I could change one line item by one penny, and it would change it throughout the budget, and I was pretty proud of Amazing. <laughs> Should be. It's yeah, that's pretty formulas. cool. That's yeah. cool. So in the olden days, Brad, when we had Excel, when did Excel start? Do you know? And, and somebody must have been sitting around like Dan was yeah. doing budget reports and saying, gee, wouldn't it be nice if I could make tables? Right. And Most then likely. Excel was probably born from there. Probably early, very, very early on because it's been part of the office suite for for. for Ever. I think it's usually Word, PowerPoint, and And, and you know, Excel. Dan, you really make an interesting point because let's for a moment, folks, think about the olden days, which are not that <laughs> long ago. You would have a ledger book. Yeah. And you would be by hand probably using pen. And if you're left-handed like me, you would get ink <laughs> all over you or graphite or whatever yeah. lead. Um, you know, and that would be a mess. And I can imagine lots of mistakes could be made. But then Excel comes along and probably saves the day yeah, in the a lot formula, of ways. What Dan was most likely using is the formula function. It's really strong. Just basically arithmetic back to what you were doing with the TRS-80 um, and there it's you can get really complicated and uh, Excel is just such a powerful program but that's really what it's used for is like bookkeeping because it's a computer computer knows numbers or like and long so names of lists you know maybe lists of address and tape like things the library probably yeah. you had library card numbers and yeah. imagine all of the things that had to be recorded by hand yeah. we should have got Tina about that when she was <laughs> in true. Tina is Dan's <laughs> wife she's part of the library staff as many of you know but when she was here she talked about you know a little bit about uh, and Charlotte talked a little bit about their experiences yeah. with technology in the library too so that PowerPoint. How do you feel about that? Well, in the first, uh, again, going back to the start of this, I'd, uh, a lot of times I'd have to do a presentation either at the fire academy or one of the industries in town would want to hear something on either fire safety or extinguishers or uh, general safety uh, programs. So I'd, uh, in order to present that in a professional manner, I'd look for a uh, PowerPoint with some either as embedded or linked videos. And um, so I found that by asking people to help me, um, that was great. I got, put out a pretty good product for the t town and for the fire department, but I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't know <laughs> right. how to put those programs together. And that I should have probably asked more questions. And when I went later to my career at the University of uh, Massachusetts, uh, I found that, that I was kind of at a deficit, but I've since 
been able, through the help of the students, been able to correct that too. But we all guilty of that, really. I mean, you know, and I think it also depends on the teacher you're working with too. If the teacher takes the time to make sure that you actually learn what you're doing. I'm not going to blame it all on you, Dan. Don't feel bad about (laughs) yourself. You know, probably whoever was teaching you, oh, you just, and this is what a lot of the kids that teach me do. Press this, hit this, press that, and there you're all done. And I just go, okay, and I nod my head, you know. So some of that's on you, but some of that is on the teacher as well. So we can't totally blame ourselves for that. And it's a different skill, right? You're off the hook a little bit. Math with Excel, and then uh, for PowerPoint, it's all visual aids. And that kind of goes back to what you were doing with uh, the TRS-80 is a lot of people today are used to what they call GUIs, graphical user interface. So you have pictures, and you can point and click and do things. But when you were using the TRS, it was all command line. So, like, if you ever see a computer on a on like on a TV show, you only see this huge line of codes. There's no pictures, right? And like, and that's what it used to be. It's just that you had to like put the formulas in yourself. And so, when you get to PowerPoint, it's a completely different beast, different skill set. Um, right. It, it's you, used none for of the reasons. commands are the same, which would yeah. make sense because isn't it a totally different developer? Who makes PowerPoint? The same people. It, most likely. Is, well, so it's part of the Office suite, so you probably have the same team working on all the apps. But because it needs to accomplish different things, you're going to have a different sp- skill set for the lead developer on each app. Right. And I think people are sitting in rooms somewhere saying, what if we could this? What if we yeah. could that? And that's how these things get created. Mm-hmm. So somebody must have said, hey, people are visual learners too. Yeah. Let's make a program that works for them. What I would like is them to stop retiring things ah. and also <laughs> to stop changing website interfaces. Yeah. The minute I get used to a website, the where the things are, they say, look, we've updated it and made it easier for you. No, yeah, I, I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with that sometimes. <laughs> it does. It feels like the minute I learn which buttons are where, they go ahead and change That's the it, danger in the graphical know? user interface is because people don't read what they're clicking uh, because you just it's all muscle memory at that point. And so when the inevitable upgrade and or improvement, in air quotes, improvements yes, yes. happen, you, you're lost and you've got to relearn everything. Right. Uh, it's tough. And how do you feel about then that, Dan, in your workplace? You, there must be a lot of changes in a university environment. Oh, in a big way. And uh, like I say to, uh, to the students all the time, when I first went there, I was, I will admit um, that I was nervous and almost a little scared to ask for help uh, for fear that they'd laugh at me or think I was dumb or something like that. But what I found was the, the, the students actually welcomed me uh, and helped me correct the problems. And I, I, was, I would always say to them, um, look, don't just come up and, like Brad just said, hit a few keys and then say, you're all set, Dan. Yes. I'd say, tell me how you did it. Show me how you did it. And and they did. And I learned a lot uh, in that. And as you had just talked about the different keystrokes, I found, sure. like, uh, I just learned print screen the other day. Someone said, uh-huh. send me a copy of uh, what the problem is here. And yeah. I said, uh, how do I do that? So one of the students said, oh, just hit print screen. So Isn't that nice? And sometimes it's a simple thing yeah. like that. You know, I use the old-fashioned copy, cut, yeah. paste. I don't use the key, the keys that I could. And when you find something like that, you should see Dan's face. He's very happy about <laughs> it because you do. You end up wanting to do the happy dance because yeah. it's something. So e- I just press this yeah. and it works. So sometimes our fear limits us in ways that we don't even know. Something easy like that that we're so fearful of, maybe if we learn to embrace it, more and certainly we're not talking about Brad, but no, I'm looking at Dan here. Yeah. If we learn to embrace those those feelings more, we might find the, the shortcuts are way better. I don't know. I'm not as likely to try new things. I have to work on that. You know, I'm not as I'm not someone who's going to jump in to the newest greatest thing. What technology do you think you're going to learn or want to learn next? Anything you want to really know how to do? 
Well, I think um, as I observe uh, different technologies that are on the horizon, um, for example, there was a uh, tragic fire that we all heard in Boston a couple of years ago in the Back Bay. Uh, two Boston firefighters died. And one of the, um, as they did the investigation, they found out that the uh, fire behavior the fire dynamics that happened. There was a lot of wind blowing off the Charles River that day, which created like a Venturi principle in the building and caused the fire to propagate much faster than they had anticipated, which caused the fire to burn through the hose, which when the the May Day calls came in, the firefighters on the nozzle had no water. And um, so Worcester Polytech is looking into the possibility of having fire hose that has temperature readings on it so that it might send a signal back or to have um, some sort of a nanotechnology capability so that the wa- the hose, if it reaches a certain temperature, would weep water and cool it down and prevent it from burning through. Wow. And so with that, the like the University of Massachusetts in Lowell, uh, Wilmington resident Julie Chen, who I know has been on a number of library programs, yeah. uh, has been very, very, uh, she's one of the leading researchers in nanote- nanotechnology in the world, and she's been uh, looking at a lot of uh, fabric development. So I think fabrics, we've seen the uh, fire retardancy through uh, fabrics like PBR Kevlar for firefighters' uh, clothing or firefighters' turnout gear. But they're even more, far more advanced. They're putting in uh, like antenna type of radio antennas integrated right into the fabrics. Wow. Uh, for soldiers, they're having, uh, and they're, they're working on this stuff right in Lowell. And uh, fabric uh, technology that they're for soldiers that uh, the uniforms that they're wearing will change colors like a chameleon in the field Ooh, or administer yeah. um, medications to coagulate bleeding from a wound. Okay. <laughs> Things now like that, that kind of technology I'm cool That's with fantastic. because all I have to do is put on the outfit, right? right? <laughs> I don't have to do much more than that because sometimes I feel a little overwhelmed. Now you want to tell us also about your Garmin uh, watch and some of your other things that you actually use? I'm so very proud share to uh, say to all podcast listeners today that um, <laughs> I swim a lot. I do a lot of long distance swimming and so Rather than just kind of estimate the distances and things for uh, time, like this year I'm going to attempt to swim across Lake Champlain nice. in a race. Awesome. So, the, you know, I want to make sure uh, through GPS that I'm going in a straight line yeah, because that's I don't want to add any mileage. <laughs> right. But uh, the, this, the the watch that I have measures how f- I ride my bike a lot at the University of Law- Mass. So. Uh-huh. Um, there's three campuses there, so I like to record. I do a lot of inspections in the buildings for safety, so I like to. I don't take the elevators. I see all the kids and I lecture them yes. why you're taking the <laughs> elevator to the next floor. It's right. you know, but um, my watch, my my Garmin watch, helps me with that, so I can tell how far I swam. Uh, it chronicles it. Nice. Uh, but sometimes, like my my wife Tina might tell you that I do get a little overbearing with it, and there's an old <laughs> adage that the more features your watch has, the less people want to be around you. <laughs> Probably true. Very similar to smartphones. How long did it take you to learn how to use the Garmin watch? Was that a little bit of the reading of the manual and all of that, or did it just intuitively kind of work? The the uh, the basic, I just, you know, the old thing where uh, if it doesn't work, read the directions. Yes. Well, I kind of went to that. I was trying to fiddle through it myself, but uh, I got most of the basic functions, and then one day it just seemed to stop working, so I just took it off my wrist. I flung it to a student, and I said, could you fix this for me? <laughs> and uh, she was great, and she showed me what was wrong with it. Good. So I've kind of learned. I don't 
understand I probably understand probably 30 40% of the features that it can do. Right. But I'm good with that. I think we're all that way. I mean, when I graduated to a true smartphone and it has actual apps on it, Brad, yeah. that I actually know how to use. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. I tend to use just what I know how to use and I don't really jump in any further. But we probably should, right, Brad? I mean, we really should be more open yeah. to not being worried that we're going to break something all the time. So it's, it's, it's the quant- old conundrum with technology is just because it does something doesn't mean it's going to be useful to you. Right. So like, it, like I was saying earlier, Excel can do so much more than just formulas. But like that's if that's all you use it for, get really good at that and use yes. it for just that. So it's... It's interesting that you're saying that with your phone and stuff like that and, and segue into like nanotechnology. Um, the few, I've, I listened to a couple of different podcasts, actually, uh, about technology. And one of the trends that people are seeing is wearables. So the smart fabric and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the technology. That's where everything is going. So there's actually aggressive trend setters that think that uh, smartphones will be obsolete in five years. And now it'll all just be wearables, no. like a watch or a smart fabric or something like that. I can't like that. handle it. Right. I'm just figuring no. out the smartphone. You guys got to stop. <laughs> oh, I get it, but it's so scary. But yeah, that's why sure. we're doing this podcast. That's the reason yeah. why this got created. It's my unnatural fear of technology that caused poor Brad to have to come in here every week, week <laughs> after week, and talk to me about technology. But I know I'm not the only one. I know no, lots of people feel that not. way. So it is a learning curve. And, you know, we're all on the, we're all on the same ship together. It's oh, just yeah. when we will arrive, right? right. Some of us are going to get off earlier than mm-hmm. others. And now it's time for your technology tidbit, food for thought. All right, so uh, while this show focuses on digital technologies, I wanted to take this opportunity to remind everybody that technology only recently defaulted to me digital. With that in mind, did you know that the first water pump for firefighting was invented in ancient Alexandria by a man named, and I'm going to butcher this, Mm -hmm. Sesibus? He was a prolific inventor, but in a bout of irony, all of his inventions were lost when the Library of Alexander burned to the ground. (sighs) Now, talk about a sad day. <laughs> Dan, if you were there, you'd be like, see, I told you. Wow. Yeah. I don't, you can't get that back. No, I know. There's, there's no recovery from that. Yeah. And what year did you say this was? This was like 203 BCE. Wow. So we're talking about over 2,000 years ago. See, see, now, when I hear stuff like that, it makes me feel like I'm really behind the <laughs> times. If this was invented then, I really better right. get on it. Anything else, Dan, you want to tell our podcast listeners today while you're here? Well, I think the technology, as I uh, may have said earlier, um, has affected me mainly in my career, and it continues today uh, with my job at UMass Lowell. But, uh, for example, I do extinguisher training, and uh, they have several different types of uh, new agents now. The first agents in the extinguishers, carbon tetrachloride, was uh, when it was applied to the fire, actually created a poison, which oh, affected. <laughs> so today they have uh, a material called FM200, which has uh, a vapor pressure that if you, you spilled it on the table right now, it would evaporate probably faster than you could look at it. And that has a cool. great uh, a great feature, a great benefit in that in a computer room, if there's a computer on fire, if you put a, a powder agent on that, it's going to ruin, you know, a million dollars worth of equipment, whereas if you put FM200 on it, it extinguishes, asphyxiates the fire, and evaporates so it doesn't conduct electricity. So there's a lot of of technology you probably see right here in Wilmington if you go through any of the intersections, um, the preemption devices that all the fire apparatus has on it. If they're responding to a call, if you're sitting in traffic, you'll probably see a white uh, strobe light above the 
uh, traffic oh, yeah. signals. I've seen that, yeah. and I kind of thought, I kind of thought after I've seen it, well, that seems like that's related to those fire trucks, <laughs> the things that go through my head. So that's how it works. The all the emergency. Uh, agencies in the town are linked to some sort of system that tells them that so they can reroute the traffic. And it will uh, f- cha- change the light uh, green in the direction of the emergency. So that's oh. uh, a big advantage. Yes. Also, uh, some of the self-contained breathing apparatus that uh, the firefighters wear today uh, comes equipped with uh, thermal imaging so that uh, you can yeah, that's good. find hidden f- fires in its incipient stage. You can put the fire out before it causes damage. Uh, or in the end of the fire, you can searching for hot spots. That helps a lot. Okay. And GPS, where uh, in 1999, the Worcester cold storage fire was six Worcester firefighters were killed. And part of the reason they was locating them, whereas GPS now will give right. exact locations for the firefighters. So um, those are some of the main. So those are good, you know, hum- saving of human lives and, and making things better all around. But I still say all of that has to do with all the knowledge that you had, that yeah. you passed along. So that technology could be created. I'm thinking of right. you touch the door if it's hot, don't go in, right? So if all the technology fails, you still need those basic pieces of knowledge that you had that build on the technology. And I think that's something we sometimes forget about because when we're into technology, we maybe put away the old-fashioned ways. But all of the technology is based on the information that you folks learned and passed forward. Yeah, I think sometimes it goes back to um, – and I just had one uh, story. If you, sure, go ahead. Uh, I was uh, at work at the fire station uh, a while ago now, and I was a deputy chief, I was in fire prevention. You know, now fire prevention, they have uh, drones to go check uh, parts right. of buildings that, you know, <laughs> the fire inspector normally couldn't get to. Right. But part of the fire inspector's job is to, uh, as you just mentioned, education. Yes. And I was in the office one morning, and a woman came in, and uh, dis- dispatch had sent them up, and uh, she said, Deputy Chief Stewart. I said, yes, ma'am, uh, what can I do to help you? And she said, uh, I'd like to thank you very much for... Uh, you saved my family's life the other night, wow. and I started doing uh, the Rolo- You know, the Rolex uh, was I had a bad car accident. Was you know I'd remember obviously right. something like Where that. Where do I and know I said, this woman from? So I asked her. I said, "Are you sure you have the right?" <laughs> and she said, "Yes." She said, uh, "Basically, what happened was uh, I was doing a class on stop, drop, and roll, and feel the door before you have an emergency plan, have an exit plan, make sure your smoke detectors work, get out, stay out, all of the normal themes, all the non-high technology right. components." Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, "Yeah, there was a fire the other night," and she said, "I live in." I said, w-, "She said I live in Lawrence," and then it hit me. <laughs> And I said, oh, uh, Lawrence, you, uh, she said, yeah, my daughters had come home from school. They made us check the smoke detectors. There were no batteries. They made us do this uh, exit plan. We did it. And sure enough, there was a fire. And I said, you were in. She said, it was right next to our house. It was coming to our house. And actually, a couple of people had died in that fire. And so the low technology and just, you know, like you right. say. So both. Why, sure. why can't we use both, right? No reason it. to throw out the old tried and true methods because sometimes technology fails. Sorry, Brad, but sometimes no, it does. it's true. Sometimes so, you know, you need both. And that's, I think that's kind of some of what we want this program to be about yeah. also. There's room for everybody. Yeah. There's room for the technology experts as well as some of us at the lower end of the pool, you know. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Dan Stewart, for coming here and enlightening us. And, Brad, thanks for doing all the research you always do. Let's tell the folks about the companion page at the library if they want more information. 
Sure. It's uh, wilmlibrary.org slash BDD, Bridging the Digital Divide. Um, and I'll have uh, a companion page for this episode as well as all the previous episodes there. And there will be a form at the bottom if you have any suggestions about future shows or want to comment on how great a job Dan did. You can do that there. Yes. And we have some great stuff coming up for you guys. We have a quiz show we're going to do for our 20th. Uh, we we're actually going to do a program on podcasting yeah. because, you know, one of my aha moments, we're doing a podcast and right. some of us don't even know what the podcasts podcast. are. So <laughs> we'll take care of that in future episodes. Thanks so much for being with us. And we hope you join us again soon for Bridging the Digital Divide. 